Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview style podcast. These interviewed are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved like all of my guests are is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to past, present, and future legends, as well as business owners, employees, media, and land use warriors, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle we call off-road. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active in off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world that we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Have you seen Four Low Magazine yet? Four Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Four Low is the magazine for you. Four Low cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit fourlowmagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, I will be speaking with Ryan Maxfield. Ryan is a rock crawling competitor, owner of Agility Off-Road, and now a promoter of Delta Classic Rock Crawl, along with Nate Hurst. You're still using the term Delta, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Delta Classic Rock Crawl. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan, for coming on board and uh, talking about your history and what you got coming up with uh, Delta. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rich. I, I appreciate it. I've listened to a bunch of the podcasts, so, you know, I'm glad. I mean, good company, so. <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump right in. Um, I know that you're I'm guessing that you are a Utah native. Is that correct? Yes, I was born in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. And uh, you're pretty much still there in that area, correct? Yeah, yeah. And when I was in fourth grade, actually, we moved out to Tooele, Utah, which is about 30 minutes outside of Salt Lake. And yeah, been here ever since. And uh, talk about, let's talk about those early days, um, school and all that kind of stuff. Were you a good student? I was a really good student up until about the ninth and tenth grade. Um, ah, was it skirts? Yeah. It, not really. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. I mean, it's always kind of is, right? Right. But you, know, you just start getting into cars, and then you also – that's kind of the point where you start to just not do what you're told. You start to think for yourself whether it's good thinking or not. You know, who knows? Get a little but, rebellious. Yeah, a little rebellious, and then you just start messing off with your friends and starting to skip out on class, you know, and just gen general mischief is really all. I never really got in big trouble, but we definitely did our fair share of stuff we shouldn't have done and got away with, so. Well, that's good, because uh, one of my goals in life was uh, never to have a mugshot, and I, I never <laughs> thought of it that way until Shelly mentioned it. And said, you know, her goal was never to have a mugshot. And I thought, you know, I'm the same way because I did some things to get to make sure I didn't get caught when things went sideways. I was going to say, that's a good goal to have. So, 
so far it's worked. <laughs> How about you? Any mug shots? No mug shots out there with me. No mug fortunately. shots. Fortunately. Okay, there you go. That's good. So then uh when you're going to school, um did you play sports? I I played little league baseball, you know, once I got into probably eighth grade, I quit playing that and got really heavy into like freestyle BMX. Okay. That was kind of my thing up until probably probably till I graduated high school, honestly. Okay. So was that um, the rebellious edge? Um, yes and no. I mean, we were definitely skipping out on school to go ride instead of, you know, sitting in class. Um, but no, that was that was definitely where all of my money went from the time I started working until about the time I was, yeah, about 18 years old. So Okay. And uh, what, what did you do for work when you started um, working? Oh, a whole. When I was 14, I started just vacuuming classrooms at a local elementary school. Um, and out here in Tooele, you know, nobody, no, nobody but essentially the schools would hire you until you were 16. So that was kind of the only, the only job that was available at the time. And I had stuff I wanted to buy. So I, that's what, that's what we did. Okay. After that, you know, I turned 16, worked at a couple, you know, small automotive shops just here locally. And that's kind of, it's kind of where I got my start learning how to turn wrenches. All right. So no, no, uh, high school classes. No, no real, classes. I, I never took shop or anything like that in high school. And even if I did sign up for it, I probably wouldn't have went. <laughs> Fair so, enough. I waited until yeah. my, my, well, my junior and senior years, I have to say that I missed a lot of classes. I was on yearbook staff, so I was able to, as a photographer, so I could write passes for me and my friends and right. just say that we were going out doing stuff for the yearbook. And uh, yeah. it worked pretty good. Yeah. I mean, my growing up, my dad always had projects. You know, you know he's had a, he's got a 50 Chevy that was always around and you know, after after I had moved out, he picked up a '67 Mustang that's you know just about fully restored and done. And so there was always projects around, but I never never really had much interest in them until I got a little bit older. Brothers and sisters? Yes, I am the middle child of five. Middle child There's, of five. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I got three older brothers, a younger sister, and a younger brother. Okay. So the one sister got wedged in there, huh? Yeah, yeah. So then, were uh, when you when you were starting your BMX phase, you uh, were working to to ride, you know, so that you could ride, basically buy bikes and upgrade Correct. and all that kind of stuff. Correct. And uh, what and then, was your favorite bike? Oh man, um, the last one I had was a Volume Flatline. Um, you know, of course, you build it all out with, you know, just kind of the same way to do with buggies, right? You pick and choose the parts that you want and then build something out of it. So, I mean, it was a, it was definitely a hodgepodge of all the best parts. So, and were you just like freestyle stuff or was it, uh, did you, did you race? So, never raced. It was all freestyle stuff. We built, you know, most of the time when we were riding, um, being out in Tooele, a small town, we had, you know, open fields everywhere. So we built a fairly awesome set of just dirt jumps up below the dam and 
spent a lot of time up there and then all the all the various skate parks and stuff you know we'd ride around too and so spent a lot of time there okay and what was the first car that you uh that you got to drive or owned so my first car was a 1986 camaro Ooh, did you have the uh, mullet going no, I probably shaved the mullet off when I was 10. I had a mullet from the time I was little till, I don't know, maybe it was earlier than 10. But yes, I definitely rocked a mullet for the fair fair bit of my life. And the Camaro didn't bring it back out in you, huh? No, never did. <laughs> and uh, what did you do to the Camaro? Um, So I bought it from just a neighbor you know it was like two houses down it sat on the side of his house forever and i think i bought it when i was 15 for like 800 bucks and then me and my dad ended up building an engine for it and, you know generally with a car like that i we built an engine for it i got in lots of trouble with it um my parents did end up picking me up from the police station once because of it ah but without but, a mugshot. There's no mugshot. The the police officer was actually really cool. He pulled me over. I was going double the speed limit out on the highway. And he didn't impound the car, nothing. He let my buddy drive the car home. He took me back to the police station and pretty much just called my parents. Wow, you got off come easy. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was like, yeah, it sucked. I got pulled over. But as far as police officers go, I got pretty lucky there. So how'd the parents take that? Oh man. Um, they were fine with it. I mean, they ultimately they're like, you know, not thrilled, but at the same time, you know, my dad looks at me and like, well, I mean, we did the same crap when we were younger, you know? So did he give you the talk? You can't get away with stuff that I got away with. (laughs) Not really. Really? Um, I used to use that with little rich all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say they were really good sports about it. And so they were they were overall they were you know pretty stoked plus i mean he built the engine for the car so he was well aware of what we were going to do with it so (laughs) (laughs) nice so uh what was the next step so right i i owned that and while i still owned that car i bought uh, an xj actually oh good and that that was when i started down the off-road route I see. Um, Some yeah, a lot of yeah. us have that XJ thing going, right? So I bought that, you know, three inch lift, thirty ones, the the normal first step, and then uh, shortly after that, you know, I broke a Dana thirty five, just out goofing off with buddies and whatnot, and then and then it kind of snowballed. That's also about the time that I discovered Pirate four by four. Oh, there you go. And then I'll probably never financially recover from that. From finding pirate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, shortly after that, you know, I, I read a ton, did a ton of research. I'm, I mean, this is my senior year in high school. Um, I decided that I'm going to swap Dana 44s underneath it, build my own radius arms for the front and, and that was my first big project. Um, my dad always had welders around, so I pretty much just taught myself how to weld. Definitely had a few fail, you know, on that project. But while you, you were know, driving, 
while we were off-roading. Okay. I mean, I had a track bar bracket ripoff once that was pretty inconvenient, but but other than that, I mean, that's kind of where it all started. I I owned that and, you know, beat the crap out of that thing for a couple of years and then all my buddies that I used to go out wheeling with kind of got into four-wheelers and dirt bikes in the sand dunes, so I sold off the XJ and started going to the sand dunes every weekend. With what? Not the Camaro. Uh, no, not a Camaro. So, yeah, man, let's see. Put paddles on the Camaro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I bought a four-wheeler, and I had a, I had a um, little Chevy Colorado at the time, actually. Okay. So I, this was 2007, and in 2000, and I bought a, like a brand-new 2007 Chevy Colorado that was hauling my four-wheelers and dirt bikes around with. And uh, that puts you... At about what age? So, 2007, I would have been 18, 18, 19 years old. Wow, you're still a youngster. Yeah, I just turned 35. So. Okay. Good for you. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, going to the sand dunes, no more four-wheel drive. Yeah, no more four-wheel drive. Kind of, you know, got that out of my system. And we did that. Man, just about so little Sahara Sand Dunes is probably forty-five minutes from us. So it was it was really easy for us to just shoot down there for the day or the weekend or whatever. And then and that's around the time that I started dating my wife. Um How'd shortly you after. So we, we had actually went to school together, you know, small town stuff. And then I'm hanging out at my buddy's house one night and his wife do you remember msn messenger do you ever mess around with that rich no i never messed around with it but i know of it yeah so i was i was logged in on my friend's computer and we were out i don't messing with four-wheeler or something and his wife is messaging heather who is now my wife on msn messenger on my account and i had no idea this was happening and (laughs) she comes walking out 30 minutes later she's like oh by the way you're hanging out with heather tomorrow night and i was like what (laughs) <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's how that all started. Kind of all ties back. And the funny thing about it too, is I, I had a, a Yamaha R6 bullet bike there and, you know, somewhere in the realm of buying and selling a ton of vehicles. And the day I was supposed to hang out with Heather, I was actually supposed to go get my bullet bike out of the impound lot. Because I <laughs> had gone to trouble going a little too fast. You have a so, need for speed. Yeah, yeah, I did. So, so the first time me and Heather ever hung out was actually driving from Tooele out to Lehigh to get my my R six out of the impound, and that was it. Did you Apparently ride it that, home, or did you put it in the back of the Colorado? No, I put put it in the back of the Colorado. We okay. just drove it home. So, and uh, even though you were a Bad boy, she uh, she stuck it out, huh? Yeah, yeah, she stuck it out, and I mean, I don't I don't know what compelled her to do so, but well, I'm glad she did. You know, we we never should question those things, right? <laughs> exactly, because we wouldn't understand if it was explained, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, good. So then, uh, you have kids, yeah. So we let's see. 
we were going to the sand dunes all the time. We dated, we dated for a year and we talked about getting married and never really, you know, made any plans for it. But we, you know, this was 2000, this was 2000, that happened in 2007. We're now in 2008 housing market crashes, right? Oh yeah. And, and we were just in a good spot. Housing just crashed. So we bought a house together. You know, which yeah. which turned out to be awesome because housing prices had just crashed and it worked out really well in the long term. But at the time, I was working for Les Schwab Tires, right? I'm 19 at this point, maybe 20. I don't know. And then, um, so we buy the house, move in. A month later, she gets laid off from her job. Ouch. Which, yeah, you know, makes you grow up real quick. And you start then looking month- at everything that you have, what you can sell. Yeah, yeah. And then a month after that, she's pregnant with our first kid. Ooh, okay. So, you know, a lot on your plate <laughs> at one time. At, at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were, tw- we, we would have been 20, yeah, because Brooklyn was born when we were 21. So you're, uh, you had to grow up fast. Yeah, yeah, it, it, we did. And obviously we made it through the other end and, Somewhere in the middle of all that, well, we got to the point where going going to the sand dunes all the time with a baby is just not fun. I mean, you can't you can't hold a kid on your dirt bike, you know, while you're blasting through the sand dunes. So we we kind of sold all that off, and then we bought another Jeep. Is that and, the uh, the orange one you still have? No, no, okay. no. It, it was a black YJ. And I knew I knew just enough about fabrication at this point to get myself in trouble. <laughs> so I actually started hanging out with um, Aaron Clow, which, you know, you know. Yeah, that, that can get you in trouble, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Sorry, yeah, Aaron. <laughs> I, yeah, no, yeah, I actually... Picked up that YJ, and then Aaron helped me build it over the next, you know, six months or so. And, you know, 14 bolt, 60 links, you know, the whole the whole nine yards over the course of a couple different builds on the same Jeep. And then wheeled that thing for probably two years. And then I went wheeling down in Sand Hollow with Craig Stumpf. And Jared Neff, and, you know, these guys are all in buggies, and I'm in my YJ. And that was the day that I was like, I need a buggy in my life. (laughs) That was was the day you stepped out of the frying pan and into the fire. That was the day. So, and that was, man, I don't even know how, what year that was. So, I came home from... Came home from that wheeling trip and it was just down in Sand Hollow. Came home, listed that YJ for sale, and then and it sold within a couple of weeks. So I took that chunk of cash and me and Aaron started building a pro mod car. You know, I was wheeling with Jared Neff that weekend and fell in love with his car. Right. So we, yeah, that was kind of what we set off to build. And Aaron taught me. I mean, Aaron taught me most of what I know about fabrication. Um, you know, I can't really thank him enough for where I'm at today, but, but yeah, it all, it all worked out and 
you know, that car took me between time and just financially at that point in my life, it took me, you know, almost, I think three years to finish that car. Okay. So, and that's, that's the car that I started coming to We Rock in actually. Well, no, let's back up here a little. I, I guess my first competition was in our JK and it was the old school rock crawl in Delta in 2013. Okay. That was the first competition I ever went to. Um, we took first, which was, is the, I, I can't decide if it's good or bad. Because if you show up to a rock crawl and you take last place, chances of catching that bug are a lot lower than if you show up and win. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so yeah, we won. So right out of the gate, it was, it was on more or less. Um, so that was 2013. Later that year, I talked. Well, I was down in Sand Hollow, random wheeling, and that's when I met Nate Hurst. Okay. Who is who has been and still is my spotter since pretty much that day on. Um, he's the only spotter I've ever competed with. So yeah, was I was fortunate fortunate that trip to come across Nate. So Right. The milkman. And then Yeah, the milk nine toed Nate, the milkman, hot dog Nate. He's <laughs> he's got he's got a few nicknames out there. Yes, he does. <laughs> So, and then I actually talked him. I was like, dude, we just finished up with Delta. You've, you've got to come out next year. Like got to come out. So he showed up the next year and did, you know, same thing, did really well in stock class. Um, say, I mean, same rig he still has today that everybody knows. Um, it wasn't any nicer back then. So don't think <laughs> that it's slowly deteriorated over time. So it was about the same condition 10 years ago as it is in today. So, but that's what everybody loves about Nate too. So, right. And then the year after that, we both, we both competed in stock class at Delta and Nate was the Nate calls me probably, probably a month after the event. And he's like, Hey, do you want a spot for me in Rangeley, Colorado? And I believe this was 2015. And I'm, of course, like, hell yeah, let's do it. So, and that was the first We Rock event we ever went to. Okay. Did you, did you bring, did you bring a vehicle to that one too? Or did you just spot Nate? Nope. I just spotted Nate at that event. Okay. And how'd you guys do on that one? um, I believe we won that event. It makes sense. In stock class. Yeah. There was... Oh man, I'm trying to think of his name, Bryce Santis, Little Blue Samurai. Santa, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Bryce so Santi. He was there. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a good turnout for stock. I think there were seven or eight rigs, but I, I remember going. You know, we were kind of neck and neck with Bryce there for a minute. And I don't know that that event was really the one that sealed the deal for us. And after that, we went to every We Rock event, every Idaho X Rocks event. I mean, we 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 didn't miss an event. So you got hooked hard. Yeah. And when did you start competing in the buggy that you built? Oh, that would have probably been two thousand, 
like 2017 or 18. Okay. And I competed in that car for, I believe, two full seasons. The first season was, oh, man, a shit show would be probably the only way to really, you know, sum that up into words. We we definitely underestimated stepping up to pro courses. You know, we, we'd been, we had tons of success in sportsman class and then finally step up to a pro class and it, it slapped us in the face pretty good. The first couple of events, the game is the, the game is different. Totally different. It's still crawling, but the game is played differently. Yeah. Yeah. So that first year was pretty rough. And then the second year in that car, we had, we were, we were starting to get on the podium pretty regularly. Um, I think we even took second at nationals that year. Um, right behind, I believe. Uh, let's see. I think it was the year Jake Hallenbeck was still competing in his car. Okay. Um, so I had good success that season. And then it's also the I believe the first year that Cody's new car, Pretty Penny, came out. Right. And I drove Pretty Penny. And then, of course, same thing. It's like, oh, yep, I need a moon buggy. So (coughs) I ran that first ProMod car for two seasons, drove Pretty Penny, and then listed that car for sale. Um, James Dunham bought that car right yeah yeah james dunham currently has it um and he had a chassis that you guys was that is that when he traded the chassis no so that was that was a yeah so that was one car after my first pro mod so i sold i sold that pro mod and it sold so late right because the season ends in september right i listed it for sale and the car didn't sell till like that following february and I didn't want to take a full season off of competing to build a car. So I took the cash from my pro mod cell and turned around and bought Kevin Reimer's pro mod car. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So I turned around, bought Kevin Reimer's car and then competed that whole season in Reimer's car and had, had a lot of success with that car. Um, I don't think we pulled off a single first place. We were chasing Craig Allen and Jake Allenbeck, I think, again that season. And just couldn't seem to beat either of those guys in a pro mod car. Right. <coughs> so, so yeah, ran that car that whole season. And then I listed that car for sale. And that's when James Dunham bought my pro mod and I took that Jesse Haynes moon buggy chassis in trade from him right. as part of the payment for that car. Did you so, hear the story that he, that car almost burned down? It did burn down in his garage. Yeah. Well, it partially melt down. Yeah. It didn't yeah. completely go up, but yeah, his garage fire, <coughs> his, yep. uh, his garage door opener malfunctioned and caught on fire. Yep. yep. Wow. Talk about bad luck. Really? But 
it's funny because yeah, James Dunham just barely sold that car and bought Pretty Penny. Yes. So yeah, kind of it's kind of funny how all these cars will move all over the country, but it's still a very small group of people. <laughs> Especially the guys that buy them to compete in. I oh it, for sure. Oh, it drives me nuts though when people buy comp cars and then all they do is trail wheel them. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's taking a a racehorse, you know, that's that's running the Kentucky Derby and then, you know, putting it in the the rental lane and letting, you know, anything from 6-year-olds to, you know, grannies ride around the the, the circle, you know, it's like For sure. Why? Well, it's it's funny too. I was talking to James just the other day about Pretty Penny, and he's like, "Man, I got to find somewhere to mount a cooler on this thing." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, there's not really anywhere to do it that makes sense." So, it's not not really what it was built for. No, he's trying to get it to so he could trail wheel down there in Texas. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, when you stepped up into Unlimited, you. I thought you did I thought you guys stepped up very well and I don't know if it was that having that more competitive pro mod that got you there or if it was just the car you guys fit with the car well. Well, I mean, you can't argue that a Jesse Haynes moon buggy is the best car on the rocks, right? So now now we were at least on a somewhat level playing field. You couldn't I couldn't blame it on the car anymore if I sucked. Okay. So, you know, if you if you're not doing well and you're in a Jesse Haynes moon buggy, well, guess what? The the problem's you. <laughs> it's more just than likely what it yes. is. <laughs> so and I don't know what it was either. I don't know if it was the fact that we ran Pro Mod for a couple seasons and really learned how to make a car work without rear steer. So then you know, as soon as you get into a rear steer car and you're so used to driving and making a car do what you want without it, it, I mean, it's just, it's just that much more of an advantage, but yeah, I mean, as soon as we got into a limited class, that very first event in that car, we took fourth place in Cedar city. And then I think we were on the podium just about every event that we've been to since since our debut in unlimited um there was one in goldendale that we actually broke a cv and didn't podium but i mean very few and far between it we definitely definitely saw a ton of success in unlimited class and then you sold that car correct yes i sold that car not not the end of last season but the season before so that would have been 20 the end of the 2021 season right and were you so, building another, or are you just waiting for Nate to finish his 10-year no, project? So, so I sold I sold that car and instantly started building a new one. And I've a couple things have kind of knocked us back on timelines for that build, but the way, you know, the end of 2021, the way that supply chains and stuff were at that time. I knew there was no way the new car was going to be done for the beginning of the 2022 season. So I didn't even try. Um, pretty much told Jesse, I want one. Let me know when I can have one. And, you know, 
it is what it is. So I actually picked up the start of the new car from Jesse March of 2022. Okay. And then slowly been building it over the last year and actually just yesterday we just finished all the engine tuning on that car oh nice so yeah we put in a 14 hour day yesterday just engine tuning and got it dialed so and what engine are you running so it is a one five that's supercharged just like jesse's car okay um in fact this car is a carbon copy of jesse's car so does it have the uh, fancy reaching shocks Yep, it's got the cheater shocks that we like to call them. <laughs> Are they cheaters yeah. now that you own a set? No, no, it's totally fine now that I own a set. <laughs> it was it was only cheating before. <laughs> I like how he had it out there and didn't say anything to anybody. <laughs> I I remember walking past this car and I was like, man, those bypasses are cool. And it wasn't until the next event that I realized like what what the whole shock package was doing. <laughs> and there was you know, there was numerous cones that season that everybody was hitting because you'd get, you know, you'd get up on your belly, whatever. And once you're on your belly, you don't have a whole lot of control of where the car wants to slide. And man, just you'd get up there, jack his shocks up and just cruise right through it. And you're like, gosh, dang it. Like, that's not even fair. It must have been just before he put those shocks on. There was uh, Nationals in Farmington and there was... Uh, the course that uh, Boren dro- drove off the backside of. Oh, um, yeah. Where there was a, a rock there where the cones were. It was a breakover. And where the cones were sitting, when I set it up, I was like, you know, if I do this right here and here, and you know. I mean, I spent a lot of time looking at the what could possibly happen on each each set of gates. And right. I, I put the cones where I did, thinking somebody is going to hit at least one of these cones and somebody's going to hit both of these cones in unlimited when they, you know, when they belly up or even maybe yeah, a yeah. pro mod. And sure enough, the guy that hit both of those cones on that breakover was Jesse. <laughs> and he was so mad, <laughs> which is understandable. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, man. You can, you can have every plan in the world and you can have every tool out there to, you know, make your car do what you need it to do. And there's still sometimes it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. It's just wasn't meant to be. Yep. True enough. So, And then, like I said, I, I told Kevin, I said, do not put your daughter through that bonus cone. That is not, that is not for you guys. Yeah, that is not an XJ line. <laughs> no. And he goes, well, you know, we just, as we were down in that hole before it, we got turned and all of a sudden we're lined up for it. And I said, no, you weren't. <laughs> you made a thought you were, but you were not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a rough one. That, that was, that was scary. Yeah. I remember being clear up on top up by the sportsman courses. Cause I was, you know, running on un- unlimited and still spotting for Nate. Right. And yeah, I remember like, oh yeah, you know, Caitlin rolled off a cliff down there. And, you know, people say cliff, but it's usually like an eight-foot ledge, right? Like, yes. it's never actually a cliff. And then we got down there later that night. I think it was the night of, you know, the the Nationals Awards where you guys order pizza and everything for everybody. Uh-huh. 
And we went over there and looked at it, and I was like, no, that is legitimately a cliff. Yeah, that's a 20-footer at least. Yeah, I remember looking over the edge, and I was like, if I just rolled off this, I'd never get in a car again. So She jumped up there and yelled, somebody better have gotten that on video. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Young and limber, that's what that is. I was going to say, I I realize that I'm only 35, but I feel like if I fell off that, there's no way. I mean, I'd. Yeah, I'd feel that for a month. <laughs> so then, uh, you're, when do you think you'll have the new car done? Oh so, yeah, you just said you just had it. I was going to say engine tuning got finished up yesterday. Um, right. I need to charge the shocks and run airlines for the lockers, and it's done. So oh. another two hours, another two hours of work, and that car's done. So we'll see you in Vernal. That's the well. My plan was Cedar City, so right. I'm really hoping, really hoping to make Vernal. Excellent. Good to hear that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just made a, a, I just <laughs> talked to one of the locals up there and he's got a group of guys that, that wheel and run ATVs and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to get put together all the judges for us. So, yeah. looks like we're going to have uh, a good showing of judges. And I think it's going to be fun being out on those rocks again. Haven't been there in yeah. quite a few years myself. I know they did super crawl there, but uh, I was going to say, yeah, we we ran super crawl the super crawl event that was up in Vermillion. Right. I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff up there. So yeah, it'll be good to see what Jake's take is on it. For sure. So and especially so, you know, I took all last season off, and honestly, I wasn't super. I didn't have a ton of motivation to make events this year it just I don't, I don't know what it has i don't know if it's motivation i don't know what it was but you know my car's been getting closer to being done and then i watched the live feed and stuff that was going on at the cedar city event and that that day i was like yep <laughs> like i'm ready I've, I've, <laughs> I've been on the sidelines long enough and so that, that was i don't know if that gave me the last little bit of motivation to push through the build or what but Sounds it, like it, it. That's good. It, def- it definitely got it done. And and we did, I think Nate and I did two events last year, just in my, you know, stock class CJ7. We ran Rangeley last year. Right. And then we did, Cedar. I think it was Nationals. Oh, no, Nationals. Okay. I think it was Nationals. I don't remember. That was a year ago. Right. Uh, it, that's crazy. You start going to, you go to so many events and. I don't want to say they all blend together, but like trying to pick and choose which one was this year and which event was last year. It's like, uh, you wait until you get my age at 65. You think things <laughs> right? blur. I call it years and beers. Yeah. So well, we, we had so much fun going back to the stock class last year in the CJ that I was even like, man, maybe we won't even finish a buggy and we'll just keep running the CJ. There's, there's no stress in the sportsman class. There's no, I mean, there's you now it's, it seems like there's no drama. The only problem with it is there's been no turnout for the stock class lately. True. So, but yeah. So, so let's talk about agility off road. Your business. Yeah. yeah. When that gets started. So I started agility customs. Almost seven years ago now. Okay. Um, started in just a small little three bay shop. Um, we were there for like a year till you know we just signed a one year lease. The lease was up on that building, and we had we had outgrown it in a you know in a year. So 
we moved into a place that was probably almost double the space, but it was, it was a range different. It was more usable. And we were there for probably three years, two years. I'm terrible with timelines. I apologize. No, don't worry about it. Um, there for a couple of years and then COVID happened. And right when COVID kicks off, of course, you know, they're shutting down businesses and all this other bullshit. Total so, bullshit. Yeah. Now we're finding as, out. Yeah. And as a business owner, you don't know if, you know, you don't know what's going to happen essentially. And man, I tell you what, COVID was the best thing that ever happened to us. I, I don't want to sound insensitive. I know a lot of people had, you know, not that experience with COVID, but right. from a business standpoint, COVID was the best thing that ever happened to us. Um, we COVID started and then our lease was up on that building, you know, within six or nine months of COVID starting. And then we moved from that shop, which was probably 4,000 square feet into the shop we're in, in today out just in the west side of the Salt Lake Valley. And, you know, we moved into a 15,000 square foot shop that we're currently in now. Lots of room. So lot, lot, I mean, you think you're going to have tons of room <laughs> until a year in and same thing. You're, you're bursting at the seams. So. And your shop's not expandable. Is it Did I, there's another business behind you guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's another business behind us. And I mean, there's, we would still need a lot more growth before we outgrow the space we're in. So I'm okay. not too worried about it now, but, but there's definitely days. I mean, a co- couple weeks ago, we had the shop packed as full as we could over the, over the weekend. We like to pull everything inside, right? So you don't have to worry about stuff getting broken into and stuff. And we had 54 vehicles in the shop. Holy shit. And then you, yeah, you start looking at work orders and deadlines and I mean, it starts to, starts to weigh on you a little bit <laughs> it's like good lord it's a good problem <laughs> to have but i mean it, it's a lot so another reason that makes you grow up yeah exactly you st- when you start being responsible for other people's paychecks and stuff like that i mean it it's it's a lot of fun it's the american dream but man there's days there's one at least one day a week where i'm just like f this i'm getting a real job <laughs> like, <so> this is <laughs> So, you know what you you would suck at a real job. Oh, I know you've done you've <laughs> done your own thing long enough to where, unless you got into a job where they just gave you the absolute freedom to do what you wanted to do, and still gave you a paycheck, you know that's the only way it worked. That's that's how I am. I could never go to work for somebody right now. Oh, for sure. I'd get fired in the first week telling them they're they're yeah. an idiot. <laughs> I was gonna say. You, I, I talk to friends and stuff, you know, that work corporate jobs and you hear of just all, all the games essentially that you have to play just to like make it through a corporate world. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I'd survive in that environment, honestly. Yeah, so. I couldn't. I quit my corporate job to get into doing rock crawling events. As soon as I put the first yeah. one on, I said, okay, I found out what I'm going to do now. And it, up until then, I, I never had a business of my own or a job that lasted more than five years. I would just get burned out on it, get disgusted with it, whatever. And, you know, shut it down, go to work for somebody, realize that wasn't it, 
try something else. Yeah, try Kept doing it. You know. <laughs> how how long have you been doing rock crawling events now? In two thousand is when I got started putting together the first event series that I was going to do. Putting the first uh, event I was going to do, which was called Cal Rocks, and it was uh, put up or shut up shootout in Amador County and okay. Cal- Northern California, and that. So I already had a location picked out and everything before I went to uh, to ca- back to California and uh, got things started. So it's uh, it's you know twenty three solid years. Yeah. So that's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and that's why at sixty five it was like, or at sixty four, is when you know I finally convinced Jake Good to to step up and uh, and become a partner so that eventually he could take over the whole thing because right. I just physically wasn't able to do it all anymore. And well, no, I didn't want to shut it down, to. but we were close. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I would have hated to. I remember when when Arca and U-Rock combined and then U-Rock finally threw in the towel and stopped putting on events, I got a call from first Jeff Mello that said, hey, Rich, you won. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we just everybody just got an email that said, you know, the next, the event is canceled, the next event. And, you know, the, the season's over. They're not going to be in business any longer. And I was like, holy shit, you know, okay. And then Dustin Webster calls me and says, okay, now you can't quit, Rich. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't quit? And he goes, no, all these people that, you know, that these fab shops and everybody that's building parts and everybody that's, you know, got buggies, you can't quit because what are they going to do? And I was like, man, don't put all that on me. Well, it, I mean, kind of circling back to that, I remember when you and Shelly were first talking about trying to find somebody to take over we rock and it was when i was building my first moon buggy and i was like man i was like this moon buggy right now is worth a ton of money but if rich and shelly shut down we rock and there's no competition circuit anymore then this moon buggy is not worth anything right and i remember talking to a couple other competitors about it and it's like and yeah obviously we're all happy that you guys kept it going and got jake to take it over but I mean, even even from a competitor standpoint, it was kind of you know just just heading into the unknown a little bit is just always fun when you've got that kind of money wrapped up into a rock crawler. Yeah, I was just hoping that that if you know, because it came down to a couple of days. You know, I I looked at Shelly and I said, so if Jake doesn't decide to do this by this date, can I just shut it down? And that was tw- the beginning of twenty twenty two. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, we can, we can shut it down. We'll be okay. And I said, all right. And then Jake like called me the next day. I mean, I'd give in my mind, I'd said, okay, you know, like three days because this had gone on, you know, for months. And so right, right. he goes, okay, I'm ready to do this. And I was like, whew, okay, that was close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody else knew how close it got. <laughs> Well, and then the Super Crawl series, you know, came back for one season and, you know, they they put on a lot of fun events and I really enjoyed it. But, uh, I mean, they only made it one season and then just never even made an announcement saying they weren't coming back. Just ghosted everybody and right. just never showed up again. So, you know, the I really think that if somebody's going to do this, 
as a promoter, which we'll get into with you here in a moment, Yeah, that you've got to do it because you love the sport. Oh, 100%. Not, not because you think you're going to make a million dollars or you're going to make, you know, you're going to be build the next, you know, monster truck series or whatever. It's got to be you love the sport. You love the people. You love the game. And that's why I always did it. I just loved the sport. And everybody else that got into it, you know, they were seeing dollars. And everybody, you know, aspired to try to be, you know, the next monster truck. And, you know, when when Rich was younger and we were going through that phase with everybody else, you know, with ARCA and then U-Rock and Pro-Rock and everybody else, we looked at it and said, okay, how would it be to put a rock crawler in a stadium and even a basketball arena, and what's it going to look like? You know, it's going to look terrible. Oh, for sure. You know, you can't see it. It's That's, <laughs> that's why monster trucks are so big. You right. Know, go to a wrestling, go to WWE wrestling, you know, when they did the big arenas, and, you know, you're sitting up, you know, 50 rows or whatever, and you're like, okay, who's in the ring? The announcer's saying it's, you know, Hulk Hogan, but you can't tell. Right. You know, so what would it look like, you know, having a couple of guys, you know, running around on the rocks in a buggy? Right. You know, well, we're... you can't see if they're half an inch away from a cone or a foot away from a cone. And that obviously makes all the difference in the sport. And yep. so, yeah, it, it never, I don't see it working on that big of a scale. So, no. and, uh, you know, I think the scale that, that we're at is, is good. Um, you know, is there room for some growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And for people sure. are getting back into the flow of doing it. So I think it's, I think it's good for the sport. It's going to be a second round with, with Jake running it when, and talking about that, let's talk about Delta. When, uh, when we sold, when we brought, uh, Jake in as a partner, it was, you know, okay, I'm, I, I know I can't put on these events myself anymore. I asked Jake and he goes, you know, it's not part of the series. I don't know if I really want to do it. And, you know, the way it was set up with the county and not charging for spectators, it, you know, there was no way to generate, you know, an income from doing it, at right. least for us, because we had to travel so much to get there and everything. So it was like, you know, okay, let's, uh, you know, for Craig, when he was putting it on as, as old school, you know, he could have the time having that one event a year where he could go get the sponsors and do the, you know, to do the local advertising to the local community, which being outside of that community is really hard to do. Right. And with Craig just living right there in Delta, it was, yeah, it makes was the whole thing. Lo- yeah. Logistically, it's a, it's a dream. So, right. So that's why when, uh, when we decided we were going to step back, you had mentioned it and there was a couple others had, and we looked, we looked at each other, Shelly and I, and said, okay, who do we think that would be the ones to take this over? Who has the network and who has, you know, got some some proven busy, you know, business savvy? Um, and, you know, we went with you. So we approached you because you had mentioned it. And uh, I'm I was glad say, you I, did it. I was going to say, I think it was a year, a year before anything happened with Jake, you know, right when you and Shelly first announced that you guys were like, okay, we're, we're looking, we're looking at a retirement strategy more or less. And, you know, and we were down in Farmington late one night, you know, 
and ran into you and Shelly and pretty much, yeah, I was like, I have no interest in, you know, taking over We Rock, but if whoever does doesn't want the Delta event, I was like, I 100% want it. Um, it's the first rock crawl I ever did. We haven't missed one in 10 years now, and it's just just always kind of been our favorite local event. And, you know, my my whole family comes down, brothers, sisters, parents, you know, my wife and kids love it. And so it's just, as far as rock crawling goes, Delta will always have a special place in my heart. So when we when we got the opportunity to take it over, it was, it really was a no brainer. And, and you and Nate are doing this together, correct? Yeah. So me, Nate, and then, um, my other best friend, Jeff Foreman. Yeah. Me, Nate and Jeff are all partners on it. And, and mostly because I mean, there, like you said earlier, there's no money to be made if you're not charging for spectators or anything. And we have no interest in charging for spectators. Right. And it's, it's a lot putting on an event, you know, without being able to essentially split up the responsibilities between a bunch of people. It just, it just really doesn't, that didn't really intrigue me. I wanted to put on a rock crawl, but I didn't want to deal with all the bullshit behind the scenes that it takes to put on a rock crawl. (laughs) So being able to team up with everybody and split that stuff up and then, and then, of course, you're putting on a rock crawl with your buddies. So it all just kind of it, – it it's a lot of work, but at the same time, you're hanging out with your buddies, still having a good time doing it. And yeah, it just it just worked out. So I always enjoy I always enjoy I always enjoyed doing the the Delta Classic. It was the only thing that drove me nuts down there was the weather. Every year we would get a storm to come through there. And screw it up either the night before, the night after, you know, it was always, or the day I'm trying to clean up, you know, it'd be 900 mile an hour winds and rain and thunder and everything. How was it for you guys last year? So last year was awesome, actually. We had a little bit of wind, nothing too crazy, and it was pretty well cloudy the whole event, which was nice because... I'd, I'd much rather be cloudy with a little bit of wind than a hundred degrees and go home, you know, with heat stroke and sunburns. So right. it was awesome. Had a good turnout last year. Of course, last year was our first year putting it on and you know, you, you learn a lot that first year. Let's put it that way. And what did you so, learn most? Um, just, there was just a ton of stuff that you almost don't think of until, until that, particular thing arises and people are asking you like hey what are we doing here and i'm like oh crap what are we doing there (laughs) so so then you know and it's kind of like same thing you know you you bullshit your way through it or fake it till you make it or whatever but but no it was a good event and you know everybody had fun and we had terraflex you know who everybody's heard of and they're a great local company they stepped up to be our title sponsor last year and so they they kind of made it all possible last year. Um, the people at the county are so amazing to work with down there. I mean, right? Literally, whatever you want, they are there to help you do it. And so, can't say enough good things about Millard County and you know the city of Delta for heck even having that stuff take up room down there on the fairgrounds is. I mean, that's a you know a slam dunk as well. So. No, it was it was awesome. Um, we've 
made a few tweaks here and there, you know, moving forward this week, um, the events next weekend. So I was actually just got home from Delta. Me and Nate were down there all day today, setting courses and banners and all that stuff today. So yeah, we're about ready to kick it off again. Excellent. That's good to hear. And uh, what kind of things are going to happen this weekend with, uh, with that event? So Friday, we've, of course, you know, everything starts at one o'clock. Um, just, you know, normal rock crawling stuff Friday until everybody's done running their courses. And then Saturday, we've got the rock crawl going on. We've got a whole rock section set up just for RC cars. So nice. Bring your RC cars out, you know, have fun with the kids, family, whatever. And then after the rock crawl, there's going to be the tote goat races, the lawnmower races, all the all the normal shenanigans that come along with it. You know those shenanigan races. Event. Those shenanigan races are just phenomenal. Those shenanigan races are going to get somebody killed. <laughs> You're having them sign waivers, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody's signing waivers. Make sure they sign. <laughs> so. And the lawnmower races, the, the blades have been removed. The blades have been removed. So somebody may but, get run over, which we, yeah. you know, we've had that happen a number of years. I was going to say, that's almost guaranteed. Right. But it's funny, you start asking spectators and locals and everything what their favorite, what their favorite part of the whole event is, and they want to see lawnmower races. Yeah, it's that, that half an hour of just total mayhem. Oh, it's, yeah. But everybody's laughing. Everybody's having a good time. And it and gets everybody to stick around all day Saturday. Exactly. I mean, they, they love it. So, And if that's what they want to see, that's what we'll keep doing. Well, cool. And uh, so, there's still openings for people to come out and compete? Yes, absolutely. Um, tech and registrations open until noon on Friday. And, I mean, even if somebody wanted to show up and just run Saturday, we'd, we'd let them. Um, Everything, everything at Delta is so relaxed. Clear down, I mean, even like the actual classes of event, you know, classes of cars. Um, if maybe you really should be in Legends class, but it's, you know, there's a gray area. I mean, honestly, we're going to probably put you where you want to run. And then hopefully that doesn't bite us in the ass later is really, I mean. So the other it, competitors don't complain? You mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, Del Delta's <laughs> always been just like a good old boy event, right? Like everybody's out there to just have a good time. Of course. I mean, there's, there's payout. I mean, we pay out the same pay scale that you guys use in We Rock. So, I mean, there's definitely money on the line. So we all know how people take it probably a little too seriously when there's money on the line. Right. Myself included. I mean, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll own that. <laughs> Even if there wasn't money on the line, I'd take it the same amount of serious. I just want to win. <laughs> yep. And uh, sometimes when things don't go right, you're you're not always in the in the right mood to talk to people either. Oh no, <laughs> I, that's and it's it's so. I was gonna say let's back up like a lot of years here. <laughs> Nate Nate's been spotting for me for almost ten years now, right? And and I've. As I've gotten older, I've mellowed out a little bit. I don't get quite so hot-headed anymore, but I remember things – I not that I yelled at Nate a lot, but I definitely yelled at Nate some. And 
I remember it was after we'd been in Unlimited, and I mean, our plan on course just did not work out. And I didn't yell at Nate at all. And we pull off course. And I remember looking at Nate. I'm like, dude, this whole not yelling at you thing kind of works. I was like, I'm just going to start doing that more often. And he's like, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. And, but, you know, me and me and Nate have been working together so long on this stuff that, I mean, Nate knows that I get hot headed and then we kind of like, don't talk for 10 minutes after we get off course. And then, and then we're fine. Right. Nobody, nobody's holding grudges. It just, you know, heat of the moment, especially you know, nothing's going your way. You've got 30 seconds on your timer and you still got two gates to get through. Like it's, it's a stressful situation. So yep. there's, yeah, it's just funny. So, and then, yeah, like you said, I roll a car or something and everybody wants to come over and just say, are you doing okay? Are you doing okay? He wants to make sure you're okay. And, and the last the thing you want to do is talk to anybody. Yeah. I was like, just leave me alone guys. Like, so yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. So <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one time I walked over to you and, uh, told you to chill out a little bit. That you were, yeah. uh, you were. I don't remember if it had been a rollover or you guys ran out of time and you were wedged in on a course or something, but you came off course and you were a little hot headed and and uh, I walked over and said, "Okay, that's enough." <laughs> yep. And, and you looked at me like, so. "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I was like, "I'll, I'll admit it." So <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, if anybody wants to get in. In involved in this or more information, they should go to. I mean, the the easiest thing is probably just message us on Facebook. Okay. Um, you can email us through the website or I mean, all the normal things. It's just Delta Classic Rock Crawl dot com, and same thing on Instagram and Facebook. Just Delta Classic Rock Crawl. But Nate actually runs all the social media stuff for us, and I mean, he he messages back people on social media like right away. So that's probably the best easiest fastest way to get a response or get information perfect well excellent i want to say thank you so much for uh for spending some time this evening and uh even though you worked all day long getting the the event ready for this weekend and uh i hope people show up in droves and and have a great time because it is a good time down there in delta yeah yeah it's a killer time free for spectators um so I mean, really, you've got no reason not to come out and at least check it out for a minute. So Exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan, for uh, awesome. spending the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rich. And then, yeah, it was good talking to you. It's been, you know, taking a season off. I haven't seen you much lately, so it's good to catch up. Yep, hope to see you up there in Vernal. We'll see you then. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message, and let me know uh, any ideas that you have, or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.